Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our fourth season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast, a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music here at Redeemer. This season, we weather the winter months together. Join us as we prepare for Christmas in December and get to know Jesus through scripture and song in January, February, March, and then head toward a crescendo in April with a retelling of Jesus's death and resurrection. Imagine that, a religion founded on the promise that new life can emerge from death. And lucky us here in Wisconsin, because nature will be showing us this truth at the very same time. And now, here's the sermon. I heard an audible gasp there when you heard that the punchline of that parable. Just know that Matthew's rough. He's rough all the way through as he tells the, the gospel. Um, the examples are very, very harsh, and um, so are all the words, too. So the, it's a parable. It's a teaching story. The word church appears in today's gospel lesson, and that's kind of weird. At the time that Jesus spoke to his disciples, there were no churches. Jesus understood faith communities, of course, He understood synagogues. He was raised in them. He visited them frequently throughout his ministry. It was usually his first stop when he came to any village. The Gospel of Matthew was written 50 to 60 years after Jesus's resurrection and ascension. So house churches would have read the scripture among many others when they met. This gospel is about responding to conflict in a church. If we boiled it down to your typical bullet point internet wisdom, you know there's actually a list for how to unfreeze your tongue from a pole. (laughs) It might read like this. First, what's your motive? If it's for the bettering of the church as a whole, go on. If it's a personal grudge, back off. Do the work to work it out. Tell this person specifically what they did or said that disrupted the peace. Next, begin one-on-one in order to preserve the person's dignity and give them a chance to explain themselves. Next, if that doesn't lead to reconciliation, pull together one or two witnesses and confront the person once again. That comes right out of um, Jewish law. Still no apology or repentance? Take the matter to the whole church. Next, still no change? Treat the person as if they've not yet heard the gospel. That's that part about tax collectors or Gentiles. Act with them as if they've never heard the gospel. Start from square one. Next, do the work to work it out so that it can be resolved and the church can move forward. Next, just two or three people in sincere prayer will get holy assistance in moving conflict toward reconciliation. If you have to do this 77 times or more, it will be worth it to God and benefit the health and well-being of the church. Next, God forgives your sin and could not be more emphatic about wanting you to do the work of forgiveness from your heart. Finally, reconciling differences and resolving wrongs are what makes the kingdom of heaven possible. 
So before the earthly Jesus was likely conscious of the concept of church, he knew that there would be problems (laughs) in the church. It's an institution made up of humans, of course, and it is the response to the problems and the conflict that shows whether these are indeed people of faith, willing to obey a higher authority, by which I mean God, by the way. The faithful purpose of confrontation in the church is always restoration. Currently, Redeemer appears to be dealing with conflict productively, from my vantage point at least. Nothing has gotten to the point of the whole congregation needing to be made aware, and that hasn't always been the case here, as I know from folks who have been around here much longer than I have. And who knows, such a thing could emerge again. We are moving into a stressful period of our own choosing with the rebuilding of the physical church. And after our amazing pay-what-you-want soul food lunch in the next hour, we will begin to contemplate what a second worship service could be like. I think, and I have observed in my 12 years with the Redeemer congregation, slights and mistakes, little stings, being handled in the moment, face-to-face, and often with the extra grace of humor. But oh, so many of us have been acculturated to avoid conflict at all costs. We'd rather put on a happy mask and go about our way, scowling, sneering, rolling our eyes, maybe even crying from behind that mask. Which brings me to the poem that Erica read today to commemorate Black History Month. Poet Paul Lawrence Dunbar's We Wear the Mask, written in 1895. And yes, I understand the irony that in the face of several infectious diseases going around, one of the kindest things we can do right now is put on a literal mask over our noses and mouths when we are sick. But that's not what Dunbar is writing about in 1895. We perceive masks still being worn because of our racial history present in these United States. To survive and maybe thrive within a culture dominated by whites for so long, anyone of another complexion may have masked their sincere reactions, their feelings, their truth. You know what else? Those perpetrating everything from racial bias up to racial violence, the animus of so much of the domestic terrorism of our age, they must mask their own humanity in order to be so insensitive and so cruel. And perhaps there are masks that are worn for church, making divisions where there should be none. At the last national meeting of our parent body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, ELCA, a commission for a renewed Lutheran church was ordered using this language. A commission for a renewed Lutheran church comprised of leaders of diverse representation from all three expressions that, working in consultation with the Conference of Bishops and the Church Council, shall reconsider the statements of purpose for each of the expressions of this church the principles of its organizational structure, and all matters pertaining thereunto, 
pertaining thereunto, being particularly attentive to our shared commitment to dismantle racism, and will present its findings and recommendations to the 2025 Churchwide Assembly in preparation for a possible reconstituting convention to be called under the rules for a special meeting of the Churchwide Assembly. And then in brackets, CA 22.01.06. The ELCA uses legalistic language to do Holy Spirit business. That's my opinion. It seems very masked to me at times. I volunteered to serve on this commission, and I'll let you know if they choose me. There is an arc in the Holy Bible of a process of masking and unmasking between us and God. For so much of the, Holy of the Old Testament, people were not even to speak a name aloud for God because God was too holy and too powerful to contemplate putting into a human word. Likewise, especially for Moses, when he was encountering God and in dialogue with God, um, he would appear as a burning bush or some other kind of representation. He longed to see the glory of God, but God said, you can't handle it. You won't survive. You will die if you look upon the face of God. He got a glimpse toward the end, just a glimpse. And after that, he was so brightened that he had to wear a veil and other people couldn't look him directly in the face. But something changed with Jesus. Something changed when a baby was born in a manger, a human baby filled with the Holy Spirit, as divine as human. And then God was unmasked. There had been this stark separation from God out of awe, a power differential that made it impossible for people before Moses to see the face of God and live. Jesus arrives among humans as God unmasked, saying in John 14, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And the Apostle Paul wrote, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God looks upon our unmasked selves and loves us, forgives us, invites us to turn around and start all over again if we need to. And since we are safe to unmask before God, as children of God, we ought to be able to do the same with one another in the church. But that's hard. Perhaps we've been hurt before. Perhaps we've hurt others before. Redeemer's theme for this Lenten season is journey to a crowded table, as I mentioned. Our table is a Christian example of choosing love over fear, of welcoming diversity, when some are sticking with their own and devolving into misunderstanding and hate. When we talk about table, and we do it a lot here, yes, the food is important, but the emphasis is really the people around that table and Jesus, our host, at the center. 
As siblings of faith in a church community, we ought to be trustworthy enough with one another that we can figuratively unmask, showing our true selves in all our glory and our brokenness too, because that's what Jesus has made possible. Jesus did the work to work it out. It took him to meals with strangers and friends, confrontations with the powerful, to the cross, the grave, resurrection, and the great beyond. Jesus did the work to work it out and left us with the message that with his help, we can too. Amen. As a prayerful response to the words of Pastor, we'll try something a little different here. So as Pastor Lisa mentioned, our, our theme, our journey toward a crowded table was uh, informed by this song, by, in part by Brandy Carlisle, but a group called the High Women. And uh, when you listen to it, as you hear it, feel free to sing it if you want or if you know it. Um, but when you read the lyrics and follow along, I want you to think of Jesus singing this song to us. So, here we go. Crowded table. You can hold my hand When you need to let go I can be your mountain when you're feeling valley low I can be your street light Showing you the way home You can hold my hand When you need to let go I want a house
everyone's a little broken and have it, a sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry here in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees. The entire gift supports the ministry here. Send a check to Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. Our Fearless and Faithful Capital Campaign invites anyone to help us with financial contributions, big or small, to make our physical home at the corner of 19th Street and Wisconsin Avenue ready and able to worship, for education, and especially for outreach in decades to come. Information on Fearless and Faithful can be found at the website, www. RedeemerMilwaukee.org. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace.